The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome once again to It Came From The Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres speaking. We are here for our fourth annual 48th live show via Zoom, obviously, courtesy of the East Middle Public Library. I am here with our very own special uh, Dominic Definition Man Serrano. I'm special? Yes, you I are. Never, you never, you've never called you're me a special. special you're a special... Um, uh, Dominic, Pronto Comics, special, very own, Pronto Comics, Dominic, Definition Man Serrano. Just, just DSS, keep throwing DSS. words out. Just, just throw the words out. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Thank you very much. And we are here with our very special guest. We're going to be talking woo, two with and about, woo with and about, two with and about, which is awesome because he's here. We have none other than comic creator, Achilles Yadel. Thank you guys for having me. Fourth annual episode, so I know that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, four uh, years. Yeah. Four, years. four years. You're on our big four-year show. Um, our third-year show was um, – who do we have? Do you remember who we had for our third-year show, Dominic? No, you know what? I have to tell you, like, since we've been doing the Zoom shows, they kind of blend together, so I can't quite recall it. Well, I do, I do know the second year. I remember our second year. Yeah, I believe was, the um, second year was a Power Ranger, right? That's right. We had a Power Ranger. So you're, you're in good company right now, Achilles. Yeah, we had a we had the second yellow Power Ranger. Yes, um, but yeah, no, like because we've done so many Zoom shows, both for the the library and for the weekly show, it just starts kind of melding together. Where when we were doing live shows, uh, at the, it was a once a month thing at the library physically, so it's a lot easier for me for me to remember those shows now. Right. So before we do any of that. We have to take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 25 years of conflictness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com, their next convention, and technically this will be airing after the convention, so it already happened, will be on the 25th and 26th of uh, September. Um, and the headliner was, because we it already happened, would be... Um, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, as of right now, tickets are on sale. And uh, I hope you guys bought it and enjoyed it. It was a great convention, wasn't it, Dominic? Oh, it was the best convention ever. <laughs> I want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are. Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, and Yasmin Array. You want to have your own little shout out? Go to www.patreon.com. Look at what it came from the radio in the search bar, and you can just for a dollar a month, you can uh, get your shout out on our show. So let's start off as we do with the sad news. Okay. Actor, narrator, clown, comedian, author, 
and radio and TV personality Willard Scott died recently of natural causes. Uh, he is perhaps known for his television work on a Today Show as a weather reporter who also presented a tribute greeting segment for people celebrating their 100th or above birthdays starting in the 1980s and with his full retirement in 2015. Um, of note, Willard was the first person, and depending on who you ask, was the inspiration slash creator of the character Ronald McDonald for the hamburger chain, as he was one of the first Bozo the Clowns in the Washington, D.C. area. For those of you who don't know, Bozo the Clown was like the first uh, commercial clown that was like universal. So they had a character and they had different people portray that character in different uh, markets. So different states had different Bozo the Clowns. He was like one of the original Bozo the Clowns and he became Ronald McDonald. Do you, are you a fan? Do you, you know, Willard Scott at all there, Dominic? I know a senior correspondent, Charlie Sandalino, probably was around at that time, but he's uh, not here today. He's not here. As usual, he's not here. <laughs> um, in all actuality, in all honesty, I don't have much opinion of Willard Scott one or the other, but wow, it, it was, if anything, it's sort of bizarrely negative. I don't know why my mother hated willard scott <laughs> that was his arch enemy <laughs> yeah i she was her yeah it was her did she arch hate enemy. clowns did she hate clowns uh not that i can recall but <laughs> i he would come on like whenever we'd watch the macy's thanksgiving day parade yes to be him and i forgot who the who the i think katie couric okay at one point we're doing it and he would come on and she would just like oh hate him i'm like i look at her i'm like what do you hate about willard scott so much she's like he just seems so fake just just seems so fake and and i this this i don't i can't say that i hated the man but this distaste for willard scott was sort of like handed down um and i have since you have the generational hatred of of willard scott Um, and there, ha- and since there have oh. been several other celebrities that I kind of understand what my mother was saying about, like for instance, um, Sherry O'Terry. There's something about her I just don't like her. <laughs> wow, so, hatred so. for Sherry O'Terry, man! You just pulled that out of nowhere. All I right. think you know what it is. <laughs> I think I don't like her because I heard a story from Tracy Morgan how she came up to him at Saturday Night Live and said he'd never make it, and hmm. just put him down. Okay, um, so. Anyway, there's. I now understand why my mom didn't like Willard Scott. There's just something about someone's personality on TV sometimes that rubs you the wrong way. What about you, but Achilles? Hey, uh, rest in peace. What about you, Achilles? Are you a Willard Scott fan? I, I, the name rings a bell. I think in my mind, there's a guy who has just really big, radiant smile from the Macy's Day parades. But that's about all I, I can really say about him, to be honest. Um, I'm just impressed that he was the first Ronald McDonald. Like that's a claim to fame that no one else can take. So just the fact that he was a clown and then became Ronald McDonald, that's mind boggling to me. That is well, true. I, well, Bozo the Clown, I didn't realize it was like a corporate entity type thing that you would have in different uh, yeah. cities or states. Um, and there was, weirdly, as a weird segue, there was a Simpsons episode where like he became um, Krusty the Clown. It was kind of like the same thing, that it was like different Krusties. And that was, that was the inspiration <laughs> for that episode because that was uh, Bozo the Clown. Um, oh, I remember that. That was and remarkably, like Homer looked exactly like Krusty. Yes, and yes. they were like switching <laughs> him off. Yes, yes. Um, so he was a, a, a spry eighty-seven years old. 
So moving on to the second bit and final bit of uh, sad news this week, we have um, actor uh, Michael K. Williams uh, has died. Um, no cause of death has been announced as of this recording, which is September the 8th, uh, while appearing in a number of films and TV shows such as Bullet, Doing Hard Time, Trapped in the Closet, Belly 2, Millionaire Boys Club, Gone Baby Gone, Life During Wartime, 12 Years a Slave, The New Robocop, The New Gambler, The New Female Ghostbusters, Assassin's Creed, Alias, The Kill Point, Community, Hap and Leonard, When They See Us, just to name a few, Michael was perhaps best known for his portrayal of Omar Little for 42 episodes in the HBO series The Wire, which ran from 2002 to 2008, as well as Albert Chalky White on 56 episodes of the HBO series Boardwalk Empire from 2010 to 2014. Um, I think we have our uh, very own D-Life for Generations, Jenny Feldy, joining us. Say hi, Jen. Hello. Hello, everyone. There you go. Um, did you hear about the sad news of Michael K. Williams? Are you familiar with his work? No, I was at work managing an office all day and I did not. I did not. I did not. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, Dominic? I remember him in Boardwalk Empire. <clears throat> so I, I remember seeing him in Boardwalk Empire and loving his character, thinking he did a, an excellent job um, in his portrayal. I also remember seeing him in I don't, some sort of commercial in which he was contemplating being typecast as always being like a gangster like huh. a heavy character um it's kind of sad that he's he passed so young at, at 50 something as i was yeah as i was scrolling right after the news came out i was scrolling through like my facebook feed someone said like intimated that it was drug related i don't but you say there was no cause of death as of right now so the the, the investigation he was, he was found i think it was his son or his cousin like a relative found him and the news is still coming as to what caused so they have to wait for the autopsy yeah okay i mean look it could have been it could have also just been a sudden heart attack it could have been a uh a brain never aneurysm know. you never yeah. know there's there's a lot of unfortunate things we don't we can't control they can just happen to us killy were you a, a fan of uh, michael k williams well, um, I, I didn't know that he had passed. I just finished the uh, third season of Happen Leonard today. Wow. Uh, this morning while I was doing artwork. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I, and I remember seeing him, like, from The Wire. Uh, so he, and Happen Leonard, it, it, I just happened to trip on it on, through Netflix, and I said, let me just give this a, a whirl. Um, and he doesn't play uh, a gangster uh, per se in the show but um the show itself is great the cast is phenomenal the storytelling is great it's only six episodes each season um and there were three seasons and i just finished that but uh yeah I'm, i was i i am a fan of the way that he and sometimes it's hard to tell how much of it is what the actor brings to it and how much that the show decided we're going to go ahead and make this character a bit different because on happen leonard he plays uh um i mean it's in the 80s and it's in the south and he's a, a gay black man so it was kind oh, of wow. um and he's like absolute best buddies with this straight white guy and the two of them are like in, uh, inseparable throughout huh. the whole show so it was a it's a it's a great show it definitely i would recommend it to, to everyone except my sister who i, I see is on this call that's the show <laughs> i was telling telling her not to watch i think she'd be so she'd be, uh, so he was uh, 54 years old so uh, moving on to the not as sad news, not as sad news. Never uh, have had news. We just have not as sad news. Yes. <laughs> From the physical copies only, please, department, 
The WB has announced that the Zack Snyder's Justice League Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD will be available in stores. It will not include a digital download copy of the film, essentially making HBO Max the only place to see the movie legally or digitally. Um, I think that's weird that they would try to, to shoot themselves in the foot and not let people get it digitally. But then again, I think they're also trying to force people to watch it on HBO Max. Mm. Well, the deal that they that let's say Disney uh, Disney Plus with the Marvel movies, what they have HBO, I'm sure. Uh, I think that movie came straight to HBO, right? Yeah, it came straight to HBO uh, Max, and it was made specifically for HBO Max. It was the Zack Snyder version of the Justice League because the original Justice League came out. Uh, it was a big outcry on how poor, how poorly that movie was made and how it was nothing <laughs> like the original uh, vision of Zack Snyder. And then the fans came back, and HBO was like, "Well, we're having a streaming service. Let's get some. Let's get people in our seats." And that was like their big uh, horse. And apparently. Uh, it was a, a, it was night and day between the the Snyder cut and the regular cut, and so and I it, guess it makes sense to have people forced them to go watch it on the streaming service. It absolutely is a night and day cut because I remember we saw Justice League in theaters. That's right. Yes, we did, and we were both like, "What did we just watch?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like it got there. It, it was I, fighting itself to get to where it yeah, needed to go. Yeah. I think I think the way we 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 critiqued it was like. It was. It got where it needed to go, but it took the the bumpiest, weirdest <laughs> ride to get there. And then when I look at the Snyder cut, say what you want about Zack Snyder and how he treats Superman and and everything, and those are all valid criticisms that he he doesn't get the character and he doesn't like the character. That being said, there was the consistent vision, and you can understand what Zack Snyder was trying to convey. It's it's at least consistent, right? In, in its tone and what it wants, and there was none of these cut joke asides that um, Joss Whedon put in, right? Like remember when like Superman, you know, everyone knows, Superman like comes back to life. Spoilers. The, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like you've had how many years and now how many months? Yeah, good point. <laughs> so like Superman comes back to life, he's beating up the Justice League, and in the Joss Whedon version, you have Batman. He's like, uh, that's going to leave a bruise. Or he says something yes, yes. stupid for a laugh. Yes. Well, that's not in the Snyder cut. And hmm. good because, like, Batman doesn't go, uh, that hurt. Like, that's not who Batman would be in, in any version of Batman. He doesn't go, oh, why did I do that? Like, he's Batman. So I think it's having seen both of them, the Snyder cut, albeit like six hours long is definitely the more consistent, better film. That being said, they're both not great, but it's definitely the better version. And I don't, who who would, like, DVDs, does anyone really buy DVDs anymore? I haven't bought a DVD in ages, but I'm so old. That was, my, my question was, how important is it for people to have that digital copy? Yeah. Um... I don't, I don't know. Have I, have, I have a ton of DVDs. Shambi, Shambi, did you raise your hand? <laughs> how important is it? Uh, yeah, how important do you think it is? Uh, as as an actress, Jen, how important is it to have a digital copy of your films? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I'm in nine or ten now. Uh, it's it's nice. Uh, I don't know. Um, 
you know, I'm going to start demanding digital copies. I just decided now. I decided right now. Here's my decision. I never <laughs> thought about it. I didn't have an opinion, but now I have an opinion. I want a digital copy or two of every single film I'm ever in. Boom. There's my opinion. There you go. <laughs> so speaking of digital, digital stuff, uh, from the NFT, that's for me department. Oh, that's department. <laughs> Marvel <laughs> Comics through Vivi or Vive Digital Collectibles has released Captain America and Spider-Man NFTs to celebrate Marvel Comics 80th anniversary. What makes this even more interesting is that the NFTs, which are supposed to be one of a kind, will be sold as common, uncommon, rare, ultra rare, and secret rare NFTs, essentially turning them into digital trading cards with limited release qualities. Executives say <clears throat> the VV Digital Collection app is available on iOS and Android where fans can buy and collect a variety of Marvel NFTs, trade and hunt for rare and even secret rare NFT comic books and collectibles and display their hard-earned collection through fully customizable showroom, virtual showrooms. So now they've taken the NFT and turned it into something else because, like I said, I thought NFTs were supposed to be one-of-a-kind things. But now they're not one of a kind things. They're multiple kind of things, which exactly. are super rare and, and crazy, ultra secret rare. Like, for awesome. example, um, the Amazing Spider-Man, the common one, they made 32,000 of them and it's $40 a pop. And then you can resell them for as much as you want because, you know, it's the value. And for the secret rare, secret rare Spider-Man one is a limited quality of only a limited quantity of only a thousand. And the price is $400 starting at. What they've done is because they don't <laughs> understand how to, like many of us, don't understand really how to make money on an NFT yet. They, they emer the market just emerging. Like people understand the concept. Even I'm starting to get the idea. It's basically owning like the digital copyright of something. Right. Essentially or the trademark. But whether they don't, they're not quite understanding it. And they're like, uh, let's just take the trading card thing we did back in the 90s and do it the same way with NFTs. Because basically what you just described is like how they did trading cards, <laughs> which I spent a lot of money on and wasted a lot of money between the ages of like nine and, and 18. Okay, so, but here, yes, here's my yes. stupid question as a 96-year-old on the panel. Can you <laughs> touch the NFTs? Can you smell it? No. <laughs> Well, then and it's not a trading card. It's I can hold this in my hand. If I can't hold it, it's nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, is, is it possible that they they probably knew exactly what the NFTs were going to be like? But Marvel said we can do for trading cards what iTunes did with CDs. That it can just be something that's virtual. We don't have to do any packaging. We don't have to do any actual printing, and we can go right. ahead and make our cash that way. Yeah, how oh. about we sell lots of boxes of cereal with no cereal in it, right? <laughs> Or you can make an NFT box of cereal. Yeah, here's the concept of cereal. Do you want to own the concept of this cereal? And no, I'm way, hungry. I want the freaking cereal. You can show it off in your virtual home. You remember that virtual home we were talking about that was like on the on the Mars or something? We mentioned that yeah. was like you know sold for like a couple million dollars. Yeah, they could buy a virtual cereal, yeah. NFT cereal, put it in an NFT house on the moon or on Mars. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> so, I said what I said. Okay, so moving on, moving on from the that's a lot of nuts department. The Marvel film Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has taken the number one spot, pulling in a record breaking 
million in the domestic box office, beating out the previous record holder, which was the second first Halloween film by Rob Zombie way back in 2007 with $30.5 million. So it's, it's a pandemic movie and it made like real money, non-pandemic money, beating out the, uh, the highest um, Labor Day weekend opening ever, which was the second first Halloween. Uh, for those keeping track, Black Widow is still the highest grossing film of 2021 with $182.6 million, followed closely still by Fast and the Furious Part 9 at number two with $172.8 million. And Shang-Chi is already in the number five spot. Um, of note, Shang-Chi is only available to see legally in theaters, while Black Widow is available to be seen on Disney Plus for an additional fee on top of whatever you are paying for the service. Keep in mind, the numbers do not reflect revenue made for the streaming service. So if you think about it, this is exactly what the lawsuit for Hot Scarlett Johansson is because how much money did Shang-Chi made only being released in theaters? That's what it's all about. This right here. Right. It, it's interesting that they decided not to put it out on Disney streaming. It might have been because of the lawsuit. I would think Maybe. so. Yes. Yeah. You know, so like you can make I don't know how many arguments now of gender pay inequality because like, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to put it out on the streaming service this time. And I don't know if this really helps or hurts. I think it helps Scarlett Johansson's case. What lot. do you think, uh, Achilles? Do you think it helps or hurts her case? Oh, and I, I think it absolutely helps her case. Uh, first, the argument, the first argument she could make is that her character was was really well known and therefore the expectation for that movie to perform in the theaters was really high whereas with um Shang-Chi it, it was is a more is a much lesser known character and yet it made all that money so uh, yeah. I think that that definitely strengthened her case what do you think Jen I agree with them <laughs> I think one great <laughs> thing though is that like we're finally seeing um Asian representation budget, Asian representation you know, it, it it's what fifty years after Bruce Lee's death, and it's finally getting there. Because hmm. I mean, if you really think there was Bruce Lee, then there was Jackie Chan, Jet Li. That's it. You know, there's not a lot of major Hollywood Asian stars that you can name more than say on two hands at the most. Yeah. So the, the fact that like hmm. this is such a big opening weekend for a predominantly Asian casts. I mean, I haven't seen it yet because, as you've said in the past, just because it's open, you don't need to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm still like Delta variant. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I understand, it's probably a very large Asian cast, and the fact that it's made that much money, I think, is a great thing. And if you think about it, like I said, it is during the pandemic. So can you imagine how much it would have made non-pandemic? Oh, yeah. Like it, it broke Absolutely. the record now. It's it's mind blowing. So obviously, you know what this means. There's going to be a whole bunch of Asian movies coming down the pike of lesser <laughs> quality because that's how Hollywood works. Like, well, that made money. Let's make our own. Well, well, you know. I, well I, to be fair, when uh, Hunger Games came out and performed really well, um, a lot of um, movie production companies were they were passing on that project because they didn't believe that a female action star could really generate that much money, even though Lara Croft would have um, suggested that. So, um, but Hunger Games did really, really well. All of a sudden they thought, oh, well, maybe we can go ahead and do something where it's strictly all about this, you know, female protagonist. Um, and and I, I saw um, Shang-Chi uh, this weekend and I was surprised. It was very out of the way theater and it was packed. But uh, it, the representation, not, it just 
being with an Asian cast, but um, multi-generational and, and what a lot of times you've seen in the past where everyone would have accents and this and that and so forth. You just see all different um, uh, so they were just So they were just people then. That's, that's the thing. They were exactly. just people. It, they were, they right. were just people. That's what, yeah. that's what. Boring. You, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> so, so, so Jen, are you now going to be in a, in a female uh, Asian action movie now? Oh my God. I was actually just talking about Asian hate right before we got on the call. And my, my, my dad is part Filipino. He has poison ivy and he looks the most Asian I've ever seen. He's suffering. So Asian has been the theme of the last hour. Um, I'm going to do whatever I think is going to help society on a health and fitness level. That's going to spread a good info or be very entertaining. If the people happen to be Asian or black or purple or, or they're from Mars, what, I don't care. I, I just wish people would stop talking about this so we can clean up the water supply. That's what I think. I think we should focus on the water supply and stop talking about races and everyone just be nice to each other and switch topics. Cause we got a lot of cleaning up to do end of scene. Wow. All right. So um, with that, we'll, we'll take our break. So we'll be right back with the kid from the radio. No disrespect. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. This month at Cosmic Comics and Games of Bowling, get ready for the X-Men events Inferno and the Trial of Magneto, and the new series I Am Batman from DC Comics, and from the mind of writer Jeff Lemire, Primordial from Image Comics. Make sure to join our membership program where you can save 10% on every purchase. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 8, Thursday from 2 to 7, Saturday and Sunday from noon to 5. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin, located at 846 Merrick Road in Baldwin, New York. Call us at 516-763-1133. Thank you and stay safe. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. 
text me at 631-606-8166. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From Radio, the official of the Balkan. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with us virtually, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library. That's www.eastmetal.info, where they have tons and tons of free programming every single day. Um, we are here for our fourth annual 48th live show via Zoom. Um, I am here with none other than the life of Jenner G's, Jenny Feldy. Good evening, everyone. I hope I did not curse. I forgot this is not our regular show. I apologize for any aggressive behavior. I just really want to clean up the water supply. Much love to everyone. <laughs> and we have a very own prompt of comics on the definition, Mantorano. I do realize it was a live show, so I have yet to curse. And good job with that. Oh, good <laughs> we, job. Aren't you special? <laughs> also have our very special guest for our fourth annual. He's 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 in he's in a pure company. He's in a power into company right now. We have comic book artist and writer Achilles Yadel. Thank you very much. It's an honor uh, and very exciting to be here. So let's get right down to it. Um, Achilles, tell us actually. Where does the name Achilles come from? Is it like as a as a relative, or is it just something that your parents just thought it was cool? Do you have a story behind the name? Uh, my well, I'm I'm black and uh, Puerto Rican, and my mother was Puerto Rican. The firstborn, she always wanted to have a boy named Omar. The firstborn was a girl, so she named her Omira, and then she had a boy, so she named him Omar, like she always wanted. So when I was born, she told my dad that uh, he could pick the name, uh, and my dad when i was born 1973 the uh there were all these baby name books that people would buy to actually just choose a name from and he said he wasn't going to buy a whole book just for one word so he looked in the dictionary and the first name alphabetically at the time in the dictionary was achilles and that's how i uh ended up getting the name that's awesome <laughs> yes I'm, I'm glad he looked for a name and not a word because i would be aardvark uh right now i feel like this is sesame street like today's episode is brought to you by the letter a for aardvark so why don't you tell us a little bit about your newest book and um how did you get to this point in time in your career um i spent 20 years uh working at a bar in manhattan uh talking about how much i was writing uh but truthfully, I wasn't doing much writing. I was doing a lot of partying and stuff like that. But, you know, in New York, um, writing is a uh, it's the perfect job for a procrastinator. Like I could tell you, hey, this past weekend, I wrote three chapters and no one in the history of the human race will ever know if that's true or not. Oh, um, sounds so, like the perfect deal for liars. <laughs> well, that, well, yeah, I mean, it's only a lie if you don't. Well, yeah, it, it was a lie because I didn't do it. And so the procrastination, I, I wasn't saying I'm going to write three chapters. I was saying that I was getting it done. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you on that one. Um, and then, uh, but after 20 years, people were like, where's this book? We don't see a book. And I, um, and a very good friend of mine gave me great advice. He said, if you think of all the great writers, they don't live in New York or Miami, which is where I used to live before New oh. York or LA. They live in some small town that no one's ever heard of. So I currently live in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, I never and, heard uh, of it. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a, it's a small town. It's a great town, but it, it is, uh, relatively small. And, um, some days the best thing I could say that there is for me to do that's the most exciting thing is the fact that I'm, I'm writing. And, uh, and I did get a book done, which ironically was a memoir about working at the bar each year that I worked, there's a chapter in that book. 
Um, oh. And it, and the sub the subplot, I guess you could say, is how I keep talking about I want to write novels and stuff. So then, uh, much to my surprise, once I did self-publish that book, it's very hard to promote a book that's all about you, unless you're an egomaniac. Mm-hmm. So uh, to go to people and say, hey, I wrote this book and it's all about me. Can you buy it? You know, it just it's hard to even pitch stuff <laughs> that you did yourself anyway. So I was really struggling with this book that I had spent years working on. So I came up with at the time I said, well, what I'll do is I'll create this a, a one square comic with drinks talking to each other so that when people are scrolling, they'll stop to read what this martini and this, you know, beer can are saying. <laughs> and then they'll see, oh. There's Raised by the Bar, which is the memoir of this bartender working at the bar. So I started doing that, and the, the, the response was great to those square cartoons, not to the <laughs> memoir. <laughs> I mean, the, the memoir, the memoir had, it also had a thing. A lot of people bought it and read it, which I wasn't expecting people who I know. I thought strangers would buy it um, in New York. I bought it. Um, which is, which is, again, it's scary to think that people, I thought people would buy it and not read it to put it on the shelf. And maybe one day I'll take a look at it. I bought um, it, but I am buying it. I think you made everything up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, well, you know, in New York, I don't know what they were expecting, but the, my, my people that I know in New York, they all said that it was very tame. They said it was like Hallmark. They okay. expected some real, whatever wow. in Quaker town. Um, they, a good amount of them felt that it was porn. So, <laughs> so to me, it, it, I guess it falls somewhere uh, in the middle. You're, you're living in a place called Quaker Town. Well, there aren't any Quakers here. Not, not, I mean, not that I've met. I think that there's some, but their meeting, their meeting hall or whatever um, got closed down from what I understand. So, Did you the, sell the book through OnlyFans? Was that the problem? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... Uh, so... I didn't expect the book to be considered scandalous. I didn't also think it was going to be considered really tame by New York standards. So um, that's where the promotion with these cartoon things started to come into play. But the response for the cartoons was so great that I have to credit my sister for, she kept saying for a long time, you need to do something with those cartoons. And I finally just had reached a point where I was like, I have nothing else. I, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to start listening to what other people tell me. So I created, I call it cocktails and, and it's where all these drinks are talking to each other. And, and, um, and it's just a one square strip. So the first book is 50 pages where each is just a square with a, you know, the little joke that's in there. And it really, really took off. The second book I just finished now, and this one's in full color and so forth. That just came out on Amazon a week ago. And the response to that has been, um, it's been really, really good. The TikTok stuff that I created got great response. Um, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, so it, it's just odd that what I, I kept trying to think, why did this book that took me three weeks to put together, the first one, mm. why did it outperform this memoir that I spent three and a half years mm-hmm. trying to get it squared away and, and, and so forth? And um, But yeah, so that's where we are today with, with, the, uh, <laughs> with the cocktails um, doing really, uh, really well. And it's a lot of fun. So you need to change your story and say that for 20 years, you were an alcoholic in a bar <laughs> and these, and these, and these drinks started talking to you and you decided to put it down in a cartoon. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, if I'd heard you tell me that uh, six months ago, <laughs> it would have prepared me a little better because there was someone that uh, I was talking to through one of the dating apps and 
with a name like Achilles, it did not take him long to find me on Facebook and <laughs> see my stuff. And then he saw that there was a book, he looked on Amazon and on Amazon, it looks like I'm an alcoholic because I have the race <laughs> by the bar and these two cocktail drinks and so forth, even though the projects that are near and dear to my heart, like the novels and stuff, have absolutely nothing to do with the bar. No. Um, but if this you is- were a true alcoholic, you wouldn't have written all these things. You wouldn't have accomplished <laughs> so much. So you're all good. And, 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 and some of it I address in, in the memoir and the cocktails thing. It's not about drinking um, per se. It's um, at best, you could say that as all those years of bartending, there is certain personalities that you can correlate with certain types of drinks. Generally speaking, generally speaking, yes. Hmm. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Jenny, so when somebody, t- when I ask somebody like, what, what, so what's your favorite drink? And they tell me, I will make some kind of, you know, temporary conclusion about their personality. Interesting. Right. Oh, I, I don't drink at all. So what, what do <laughs> I got? Well, generally people who don't drink at all don't, um, don't feel the need to lose their inhibitions and all that stuff. They don't feel like they need the help. And some people don't like being messy. They're a bit more on the controlling side, not controlling other people, but themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's usually the case. I mean, in Quaker town, it's usually religious uh, influences that keep them from drinking. Interesting. Jen, you got a question? I was just tequila and sake. Go. No, no, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't about me. This isn't about me. Um, I really wanted to know where you, if you, I don't think you answered this, where you got the idea to draw these specific cartoons that I really like. And they remind me of my favorite cartoons on Instagram. They remind me just of them. Well, the, the idea to, uh, the original idea was for me to take things that had happened at the bar and just have the cartoon saying it the, as in people. Right. And um, that didn't sit well with me. And what I had learned from the memoir that I wrote where at the very first version was like all this like very scandalous type stuff. And I just didn't feel like I'd be able to talk about a book that was just scandal just for scandal's sake. And I didn't, the cartoons originally were going to be more mean spirited. So the reason I turned them into uh, to drinks talking and not people, I felt okay. made it seem less mean. Um, and then the very first one I ever did was where like the woman is, well, well say woman, but one wine glass is walking out the door and the other um, half full cocktail thing is saying, you know, but I have changed. I'm half full. And I thought, Oh, okay. That was funny to me. I'll put it there for that and so forth. And mm-hmm. it really was just going to be two or three squares. And then mm-hmm. as I got response from it, I said, let me try some other things. And then I was really worried that I was going to run out of ideas and it was uh, quite the opposite. Um, the ideas just keep on coming. Yeah, this is endless. You're not going to run out here, I don't think. Uh, no, I mean, the third book, which is going to be different in that it'll be um, each square will stand on its own, but it will also tell a story. Um, so I think that, that that to me, it's a bit more of a challenge, but it's exciting. Dominic, but you have a question? But... Talking to me? Yes, you, Dominic. You have a question for Achilles? Because <laughs> you said... Uh... <laughs> Dominic! Do you have a question for Achilles? See, there you go. Remember, this is a radio show, Mark. People need to hear what you have to say. Uh, my question for Achilles is, was there ever an issue too? He's, he's holding, for those people who are listening on the radio, you can go to our YouTube page, came from the radio, uh, and you can see what uh, our very own Dominic Definition Man is holding it is, up. It is quite possibly the first comic that Achilles ever put together uh, called Out in Space. Yeah. Um, and I remember him making it, and you went to... 
San Diego Comic Con to yes. to shop it around. And I just want to know, did you ever make or write an issue too? Uh, so there isn't uh, an issue to as of yet, but that is one of the projects that I was saying is near and dear to my heart. So out in space, uh, uh, very quickly, it's just, it's the, it's, it's based off of sci-fi shows where the five characters are kind of like a parody of Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, Star Trek, and so forth. And what happened is that while they were each on their respective, uh, ships, they had behavior that was considered, uh, to, uh, too gay, too homosexual, whatever, so forth. So they all got um, transferred to this one um, Battlestar Epiphany, and they all float around there. All these uh, quote-unquote closet cases um, are in this ship, and everybody claims that they're there by mistake, that they're not gay, blah, blah, whatever, and um, the adventures that go on uh, <laughs> on that ship. Uh, and so that was there was the first issue, but then it was really hard for me to... Props to people who draw comics, because like, uh, like for me, I'm more of a writer. That's how I consider myself. Mm. Drawing just takes a really long time um, for me. And it doesn't even look the way I would like it to look. My stuff is just very cartoony. So that's how Cocktails was able to work so well. But, you know, if, I, if it was up to me, I'd be, if I could draw Batman and Spider-Man type comics, I'd be all about it. But my, my talent doesn't lie in that. It, that's just not in my wheelhouse. So it's just, and collaborating with people, as Dominic knows, it's also a challenge for comics. It, it's a massive tra- I'm just, I'm looking through, because I haven't looked through this in years. And again, I, I forgot, there's actually a dedication to me in the back. It's called <laughs> Extraordinaire. I forgot. Um, and it just, I, I just happened to look over and I had it here. I swear to God, it wasn't like a setup because um, I'm like cleaning the office. I'm like, oh, I found these. So I'm just curious, like, if you ever really progressed with it. I hope you do. And if you need an inker again, let me know. Well, and I think that what's a really important thing that I would like to put out there for creators of all types is that um, that comic, the idea behind it was really, it, it came at a time where there was still don't ask, don't tell. So if you sleep on an idea long enough, you know, um, the real world will pass you by and it will no longer have the same relevance. And sci-fi shows now do feature, you know, um, Star Trek Discovery has the prominent characters that are in a relationship. Um, there's two gay guys and stuff. And Battlestar Galactica had a lesbian um, in charge of one of the Battlestars. Mm-hmm. So um, the so for me to revisit that now, I'm like, well, now I have to kind of come at it with a, a different tone uh, <laughs> and, and add a little more to it. But uh, yeah, that was a lesson for me to learn. If you sleep on an idea too much, you, it just might lose its uh, relevance. Hey, if you don't yeah. think of it, somebody else will. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe. There is that danger where like, just because you had a great idea doesn't mean someone else won't come to that conclusion. Like people can come to the same idea independently without like ripping people off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a problem well, I mean, with comedy. Well, I, I, I was in a writing class once and somebody had... Um, they were very resistant to sharing their material and yet there they were in the class and they were just swear that somebody was going to steal their, their story. And the instructor said, if you, when it comes to writing, if you think about writing a story about somebody who had an affair, there's all kinds of books, all kinds of movies and TV shows based on someone having an affair. There's even a TV show that's called the affair, which is a great show. He's like, it's not the idea. If you worry about somebody stealing your idea, then that means you're not really your, your problem isn't the idea or somebody stealing it is that you're not applying your voice to what you're writing. No one else can write your voice. And that was something that I always took away from that. I thought was great. 
Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, in my comic book school 100 years ago, uh, a lot of the artists were like, oh, we're afraid to sell out comic books to, if people are going to steal out of the ideas. And the teacher said, why would the company want to steal your idea when they can hire you and you can make right. more of that idea? <laughs> right. Well, when, when, when Married with Children um, came out and started to have success because they tried to boycott it and that only boosted yes. their ratings. Yes. There was so many knockoffs. There was one that I think was on... Uh, I think it was ABC. I mean, it was just like they had, they didn't even try to disguise that they were doing their own version of Married with Children and it didn't play out. And the thing is that for anyone who's a Married with Children fan, same thing for The Simpsons, is that there is a lot of heart to those characters and to the story. It It's not as simple as saying like, oh, you just sing all these like rambunctious things or, or these one-offs and so forth. There was a bit, you ended up really loving those characters because there was just some heart to it. Um, Sex in the City, same thing, that there were a lot of knockoffs that didn't work because they thought it was just you know, four women making sassy remarks and sleeping around. And that's not what the show's essence was based mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. I love Mary with Children, mm-hmm. just for the record. Yeah. Mark even touched on that when he was uh, in the news about the success about Shang-Chi, that like, all right, now Hollywood's going to knock out like 50 all Asian cast martial art movies, which I won't be shocked if they do, because that's the Hollywood way. It's like, that's successful, produce it in mass. Mm-hmm. And it's almost never as good as the first one because the first one was the thing that no one thought was going to be successful. So the person or team behind it put so much love into it and care. Whereas after that, it's just ripping it off. And well, to- th- th- well, that can actually be a little tricky because sometimes if someone does something that no one had ever thought of, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, this is cool. Then you get these knockoffs. But there are other times where if it applies to something that it that goes towards a voice that has historically been um silenced mm. there are usually amazing projects sitting there in the wings that no one will green light because they haven't seen it done before so they're right. like oh now that we've seen that this movie this kind of movie can have you know a com- be a commercial success there's all these other books and characters and stuff like that that can go ahead and be uh and it can be done so um actually you you bring up an interesting point uh, the one of the commercials we ran was mike kingston from uh, headlock and he does a wrestling comic. He was one of the first ones. And it was like a serious drama about wrestling. And then the movie, The Wrestler, came out. And everybody was telling him, well, now you can have your, your book be turned into a movie. But all the movie mm. producers were like, well, we already have a wrestling movie. We don't need another one. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so silly. Yeah. So um, what is the best and worst bar story you have? to share that you can share with us on, on the show <laughs> and is it in the book um okay so um there's Good one I, I don't think that this was in i don't think this was in the book i it's hard to even remember now because there's so many things that i was taking in and, and taking back out but one thing that has just always stuck with me was that um i was working the bar the bar was a circle so you, you, people could come to the bar from all angles and depending on how slow or busy the night was um I might be the only bartender there. And that particular night it was late and I was the only bartender working the whole circle. And so you could stand at the bar and see people on the other side of the bar getting their drinks. You can make eye contact that way, as opposed to most places where you just see a mirror and you're looking right back at you. So um, this guy was saying to me, he's like, Hey, so um, that guy on the other side, is he on a date or is he with a friend? And Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, uh, he's just with a friend. He's like, oh, because I want to ask him out and so forth. It was just kind of like that classic movie thing, like the person wants to go and ask the person out or whatever. And I was like, well, I said, 
uh, you should. He's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. So he keeps looking at the guy making the eye contact. So the one who's standing there with the friend waves him to come over. He's like, just come on over. So the guy goes over. I'm taking care of another customer. So there's an exchange. And then the guy goes back to his original spot, looking a, little, a bit flustered. And I go to him and I said, I said, hey, so what happened? And he said, I go over there and the guy tells me, oh my God, you looked way better from far away. This is happening. Yeah, and I, the, uh, I mean, it's, it's New York. It's New York. But my heart broke because I was like, in a movie, this is like the moment where the person were like, they took charge. I said, this is, this justifies every person that's a bar fly that stands a wall waiting for someone to talk to them. Because I used to tell people yeah. all the time, unless you take initiative, the margin of who you end up chatting with is just the people who are going to approach you, which is usually people could be a little suspect. You have to get out there and do that thing. So um, seeing that happen to him, I think was really, uh, <laughs> that was, wow. a, that was, that was uh, something I usually wouldn't want to share to people because I don't want to discourage people from like making, making a, a move or something like that, but, or taking initiative. Um, but that was definitely uh, one like story. Factor nine, man. That's like, that's very catty. It, 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 it's a it's a, a level of maliciousness like the, the guy could have said so many things to him but it didn't have to be that and yet yeah. um and yet that's that's how it goes um he could have said he could have said take some more drinks and i'll come back later see if it changes uh, <laughs> that's just that's just bad that's not <laughs> well I am, uh, I am always like amazed and slightly <laughs> horrified though at the level of cattiness that gay gentlemen can have towards each other not every single one, but just there's some out there that can just be so horrifically ripped to shreds, brutal. Now, I, I'm, and I'm not going to say this in defense of of gay men. I'm going to say this as um as a slam against men in general. <laughs> All Fair. of them is wow. that um is that what happens with some gay men and the way that they are with the cattiness and all that is that there is this um the way let's say straight men will talk about women when they're not around mm. gay men will just talk about that to each other and about each other right in front of each other because men feel like i don't men for a man to think that i should apologize for what i just said it, it's almost like a foreign concept for a lot of them they like i say i own it i'm not going to apologize for it and so forth and they don't there isn't this fear especially well when it comes to gay men i will say this if you say something nasty but it's quote unquote funny or somebody in the room is laughing, you feel like it's okay. Even though you might've just, you know, that yeah. guy's friend who said you look better from further away. I'm, his, I'm sure his friend laughed, you know? So as long as I got laugh from somebody, then that justifies it. I'm not, you know, then it's all well and good. You cloak mm. it under that the kind of humor, but um, men don't get judged for, for, for being mean that way. Yeah. Or at least they don't. And if they are judged, they usually don't feel bad about it. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be sexist here. I'm just saying like in the general sense, there's yeah, a confidence kind of right. or like yeah, a fear about right. it. Mm. Yeah, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's wow. a similar, I'd say similar to how women can be that catty with each other and seemingly do not get judged about doing that to each other. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, I judge them. Uh, <laughs> if I see it, that happening, I'm just like, I don't want to spend my time doing this. I want to spend my time building freaking, ama- I said freaking, uh, movies and, and books. I don't want to gossip about people. So I actually harshly judge, but most women, you're right. They, they well, or many women do not. Yeah. And they, they, the, the, the topic when for, for women, what's being put forth to them in terms of like how they look and somehow they have to either defend 
um, being a mother or defend choosing not to be a mother, all that kind of stuff that men never have to even uh, contend with and, and don't mm-hmm. care about. So, um, so yeah, so I think that that's where um, when, when gay men treat each other certain kind of ways, it's because it, in some ways it's how they would treat women. Mm. So now, is that are... your best story or worst story? <laughs> or both? <laughs> I think, it's, well, I think it's both, actually. I yeah. thought that was. I thought that was like, yeah. I would say the the saddest story. I'm trying to think of. I'm in my head. I'm trying to think of like um, happy stories that would have happened at the bar. Like, oh, that was so great, or that's so romantic. But uh, yeah, the, nothing. The, <laughs> the, the the bar is. Um, it's just it, it it's just a place where people. Um, well, a good argument that you guys can certainly weigh in on is that my boss worked at the bar. His thing was sex sells. So even though the bar started off very um, upscale, as years went by, it's like, oh, you, you're shirtless on the weekends or shirtless on the holidays. And it ended up by the time of those last few years, I was bartending in my underwear ah. um, the, the entire time. And so, but his thing, as, as more people came out of, as, as the gay, as, as gays and lesbians and the LGBTQ community and all that became more mainstream, more people came out of the closet than there were more gay bars. It was hard for a gay bar to get all of that demographic. So they had to kind of up their game. So that's right. why they end up like, well, sex sells, sex sells. And my thing was sex does sell, but it's not the only thing that sells. People come into a bar, not necessarily looking for sex. They're just going to the bar because they want to feel better, whether it's the alcohol or the drink or a guy that they meet, whatever. And so um, kind of going with, with that back and forth with my, um, with my boss, but that um, idea of that, sex sells i was like it's um but you look at any kind of movie or tv show you can have a very sexy cast sexy looking that doesn't make it a blockbuster so it you need something to bring something more to the table and there's some comics out there that again the characters look very anatomically pleasing to the eye but those comics <laughs> not don't much behind them not necessarily it, 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 it wouldn't necessarily have much behind them so or you shouldn't rely on it so we're at social media times. So where can people find out more about your book, about you? I guess it'd be pretty darn easy to look up your name, but what websites <laughs> and social media stuff are well, you at? If, uh, well, planetachilles.com has, um, has everything on there. It has the things for the cocktails. It has um, a community coloring book that I'm um, very proud of um, for people in the Quakertown area to find ways to give help and get help um, in the area. Um, but uh, that'll, that'll lead them to the... Um, TikTok to Instagram to the Facebook and all that. So planetachilles.com. Um, Achilles is spelled A-C-H-I-L-L-E-S. So that might be the only thing that trips them up. Um, but on Facebook, you can um, look for Planet Achilles or for the cocktails party. All right. So we're almost out of time. So let's do our final thoughts. So from the Life of Genergy, Denise Feldy, do you have a uh, final thought for us? Yeah, I'd like to see a gallery show of the cocktails. I'd like to do an event. I do stand-up comedy. There, a fashion show with like this on the wall would be so cool. My event on Saturday just needs this. It needs your art on the wall, upstate. Maybe we can make it happen. Think about it. Random idea. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a, a good question. Do you think um, you would have your artwork just uh, like a gallery or anything like that? Uh, it, it's definitely leading towards that i've the last three things that i got commissioned for was people wanted wedding um and engagement photos where the family and the bride and groom were 
made as cocktails versus people. Um, and so those commissions, so now artwork, doing artwork like that, um, it has really been uh, taking off. I think uh, anyone who's body conscious seems to be very happy being made into a wine glass because they have that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think that, that uh, that's definitely something I would love to do because I would love to do some of the cocktail type artwork where there isn't even the funny blurb. It's just letting the picture itself uh, deliver the message. Dominic, final thought? Well, I think one, you know how you can do sketches at the next Comic-Con when you feel comfortable going there in person. I don't know about you, I'm still avoiding Comic-Cons. Um, two, if I was a cocktail, what cocktail would I be? And then three, uh, I'm, always, I'm always available to ink for you. <laughs> well, you, you would be uh, a cognac in a snifter, which a lot of people will always think, oh, are you trying to say I'm chubby? People say that all the time. Except the, char- the kind of personality that goes with a cognac in that snifter glass is someone who's very collected, calm, wise, um, and doesn't feel the need to be very extra. Like in the cocktails world, the fraternities are shot glasses. So like, that's just, the, that's the opposite of the, uh, <laughs> the cognac bourbons. Okay. Well, so Achilles. that's probably the best comic, uh, best uh, compliment I've gotten all day. Thank you. <laughs> so Achilles, do you have a final thought for us? Uh, no, I just, I absolutely love the fact that you guys, um, go ahead and, and bring, um, all of the different art stuff or whatever to the, to the table, as well as bring and mixing it in with things like, yes, clean water is a really, really, uh, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, it's a big thing. And it's hard to pitch to people who feel like, well, it doesn't affect me. So why should I care kind of a thing? So, um, yeah, so I'm so, so glad to have had this, uh, this time with you guys. So instead of a final thought, I just have a, a question that's popped in my head right now. So I'm going to use my final thought for this. Um, the, the cocktails, if they're empty, do they still have life in them, or is it, or is it the, is it the container that's the life character? Okay, that that has actually become an issue for some of the cartoons that I did because I'm now trying to be consistent. Um, so it used to be their blood, and that's not quite how it works for me now. But the, it's the glass that is alive. Um, okay. Technically, all the cocktails are alcoholics because they need alcohol in their system. So as they start to spill, the drink spills out then they become dehydrated and they drink more alcohol. The coffee that walks around and talks, they have to drink coffee. I haven't figured out what happens when they go to bed because this wine glass that I had to draw laying in a bed, I was like, okay, it's another bed, it's all wet. I was like, don't overthink it, don't overthink it. But yeah, so they- Maybe she's popped up. (laughs) Like like, like the elephant man, he had to kind of stay up that way. yeah, actually, that'd be pretty funny and sad at the same time. But yeah, so so it's the the glass that is alive, but they do eat and drink in in my head. Great question. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> thank you for that. So that about does it for this week on the Came From Real. Join us right here every week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, off. go to our website, www.itcamefromreal.com. Look up the archives. We'll be up in a week or so. Check us out on our YouTube page, Instagram, Twitter. Um, such of our 40 places you can find this radio show on. And make sure you guys go check out the East Metal Public Library. That's www.eastmetal.info. They have tons of free programs every single day. And one of which would be our show, which is our next live show, which will be our 49th live show with, where did I have it written down? With uh, event uh, LI Geek event coordinator, Ken Deep, which will be on October uh, the 13th. So make sure you guys join us for that. And we will see you next time. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station.
We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast. <laughs> 